You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 13. Strong Runner Chicks, Megan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that we are hosting our first ever Strong Runner Chick retreat this uh, May 29th through June 1st in the beautiful Boulder, Colorado. We'll have some professional runners there, body image advocates, and much, much more. This is going to be an unforgettable experience and an event you don't want to miss. Shoot us an email at strongrunnerchicks at gmail.com and we will send you more info. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Strong Runner Chick Radio. Today we have with us Jen Brown from Sparta Chicks. Welcome, Jen. Hello, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I am very well, thank you. It's a bit warm here in Australia at the moment, but um, yeah, it's all good. All good. (laughs) Is it your summertime right now? It is the first week of summer, so it's only just begun. That must be so nice. Before you joined us, um, Megan, we were saying it was funny because I'm here in like a thermal zip, like I just got off the mountain. And so um, Jen was saying how she's in her like tank top and we were both commenting on how different our weathers are right now. How nice. Yeah, that sounds like the perfect vacation spot. Kelsey and I should come out there. Definitely. And come at this time of year, February. Yeah, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here in February. Okay, it's good to know. We'll keep that in mind. <laughs> All right, so just to introduce Jen, um, Jen Brown is the chief coach and owner of Sparta Chicks. She created Sparta Chicks to bring women, to, um, women all around the world who enjoy triathlons or trail running and who want to feel more confident and pursue all the big and sometimes seemingly impossible dreams they've always had without self-doubt or fear standing in their way. Jen is a running and triathlon coach podcast host and reformed lawyer. In addition to being a stepmom, daughter, and sister, Jen is often found trail running, drinking coffee, and watching Criminal Minds. She has hiked or climbed mountains on four continents around the world after realizing in her late 20s that running is an amazing way to change your life. So welcome again, Jen. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. So um, we usually like to start the podcast kind of with a basic question. So let's get started with, how did you get your start in running? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Around 2004, I think, which makes me feel really old when I think about it. Um, I was pretty fit and active at university. I was going to the gym all the time. And then I started working as a lawyer. And I stopped training and I put on weight, as many lawyers do. Um, So somewhere pre-2004, I went back to the gym um, and got back into the weights again, which is something I always love and I still love doing. Um, But somewhere around 2004, I decided that I wanted to start running as only solely as a way to lose a bit of extra weight. Um, But I fell in love with it. Once, well, I was going to say pretty quickly, but there's always that little period when Mm. you start running when it just feels too hard and that it's never Mm -hmm. going to feel easy. Once I got past that, I I loved it. And then I discovered trail running and being out in the trails in the bush here in Australia and 
fell in love with that and yeah it'll it'll be part of me now it's funny I, looking back I can remember thinking especially when I started I can't imagine running for the rest of my life like it just seemed such a foreign concept it just seemed so hard but but these days I can't quite imagine it not being part of my life mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah I can definitely, I definitely understand that, and that makes total, total sense, Jen. And um, I love what you said about that. Those first initial like runs you go on after, you know, if you've never been a runner before. Even when I start, like I started to run just before this, and I was like, man, this is hard. Like you kind of, it's humbling, you know. But you're so right in all those aspects. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's difficult because you can't see me, so <laughs> hopefully it's fine. Um, so the way that I found Jen, um, if you're listening now, is um, listening to Dirt in Your Skirt, the podcast. Um, I believe you're on there just a couple episodes back, and I really, really connected with your mission and your drive and um, your um, organization. I guess you'd call it uh, Sparta Chicks. Can you tell us a bit more about Sparta Chicks and what was your um, reasoning behind? What was your inspiration? I guess behind creating Sparta Chicks. Um, so I I was a lawyer. After I left law, I became a personal trainer and then a running and triathlon coach to sort of fill in the gap between between the two stories and. Um, when I started working, especially as a running and triathlon coach, um, I started realizing I was having very different conversations with my male clients as opposed to my female clients. And I remember one day, this was quite early on in things, and I was having this conversation with a female client and friend, and she was talking about how she was worried about what people would think of her as she ran past them if she did a particular race. And I remember thinking, I I had a deja vu moment. I thought, I've had this conversation somewhere before. I can't place it, but I've had this conversation. And I realized I'd had the conversation with my mentor back in 2007, so at least five years before this conversation I had with my client, the exact same topic. What if I fail? What will people think? And I remember at the time, back in 2007, feeling very isolated and alone in those thoughts because social media didn't exist there you go that's how old I feel (laughs) Um, and these conversations weren't being had we weren't even really discussing them amongst our our friends and our circle of friends so I felt like I was the only one who felt that way and then I had this conversation with my client and it I just started noticing more and more the difference between these conversations I was having Most of my conversations with male clients were around training, the training side of the equation, you know, distance of a run, speeds of run, number of times they have to train each week, all that sort of stuff. But the majority of my conversations with my female clients were around fear and self-doubt. What if I fail? What if I miss the cutoff? What if I have a panic attack in the swim? What will people think? I'm not going to enter that race till I do all the, you know, the distance in training and can prove to myself that I can do it, those sorts of topics. And so Sparta Chicks became a separate safe platform and space for us to have these quite vulnerable, scary conversations. It's very intimidating to confess what feels like your deepest, darkest secrets Mm -hmm. and insecurities. 
And so Sparta Chicks was born as a, as a place for us not only to have these conversations so that people didn't feel isolated and alone in their fear and self-doubt, but also to share, and this is probably equally important for me, if not more important, is to share practical tools and strategies that people can use to find their way through their fear and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So it was a, both a, a place to have the conversations, but also to actually help women navigate their way just as I'd been doing sort of over the last 10 years myself. Mm. I must say Jen that um, you know I must commend you because to have clients come up to you and you know feel the trust in that relationship with you to admit these fears to you like well done in developing that relationship with them because that's never easy you know to have just to admit to someone, like you said, like your deepest fears of failing, like failure is a big deal. You know, we learn from it, but when it happens, it's one of those like gut wrenching, like really deep in your stomach kind of feeling. So um, the fact that you're able to develop that relationship with your clients and those you train and work with is really beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I think Mm -hmm. it comes down to the fact that we don't often talk about these things. So Mm. I quite often get emails from listeners of the podcast out of the blue, sharing their stories with me, which mm-hmm. is such an honour, um, mm-hmm. and it's such it's so humbling that someone feels like they they are connected so closely mm-hmm. to me that they can share these these stories. So, but I think it's also to I've been very transparent about my mm-hmm. struggles with imposter complex and fear and self doubt, and all those times in my life mm-hmm. when I was afraid of failure or I was afraid of being judged or I second-guessed myself. So I think that helps people to then feel a connection and a trust with me that I've shared my stories with them um, and so they trust me enough to share their stories. But it's a real, it's an honour. I, Yeah, mm. yeah. What, if you don't, I'm going to follow up with that really quickly. What was that like for you to be so transparent um, with, you know, all, all that you've done? Is, is that, I mean, I'm sure maybe, maybe it got easier, maybe it hasn't, but those first few times, what has, what was that like? Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, I don't, and I, I don't know if it gets any, eh. Maybe it gets easier. I don't know. I think um, it's it's really terrifying to to share your fears and your self doubt because it's like bearing your soul to someone because you're saying this is mm-hmm. this is what I'm afraid is true about me, um, mm-hmm. which is really deep, um, really personal, um, and I I don't know if it gets easier maybe Mm -hmm. I I, it's an interesting question it's funny because I still have um you know every time I press publish on a podcast or publish on a blog post where I've been sort of transparent and honest there is a part of me that's going yikes um did I really (laughs) just say that or did I really just do that um yeah I I don't know I don't know yeah no that makes total sense but I think also it's it maybe it doesn't get easier because this is you're very passionate about this and you know our passions are so close and near and dear to our heart that you know when you go to hit that published post it's it's like gosh I'm sharing my passion with the world you know how are they going to take this sort of a thing yeah and I think you know spider chicks was a project I talked about I no, I thought about for 12 <laughs> or 18 months before I actually mm-hmm. launched it and the podcast I've talked quite openly about 
I was I was talking publicly on the Sparta Chicks Facebook page about doing a podcast for 12 months before I launched it. Mm. Me got- too. <laughs> First run runner chicks. I had to pipe in, but I am just hearing you right now and it's like I can so attest to what you're saying yeah. because before starting Strong Runner Chicks, it really took um, talking about it for about a year before mm-hmm. I actually started it. So yeah. 12 months and um, people just saying, just start it already, you know, like mm-hmm. hit publish. And <laughs> I'm so glad that I did. But yes, I, so I can really relate. But um, go on. I'm sorry. I no. got in there. <laughs> no, it was exactly the same. Like I, I, the, so I launched the podcast in February this year, so 2017. There's a Facebook post from March 2016 saying, theoretically speaking, asking for a friend. If someone were to launch a podcast <laughs> talking about fear and self doubt, who would you suggest as guest? And there must have been a hundred responses to that email. So it wasn't, sorry, that Facebook message. So it wasn't even as though this idea went out into the ether and nobody was interested. I had all this feedback from people telling me that they were interested in the idea. And God knows how long I was thinking about it before I posted that. So, um, you know, and I talked, I've talked quite openly about all of my fears associated with that project in particular. Um, and it's still, you know, that every time I press publish every week, there's a little part of me that you know, fear, the, the imposter comes up and my fear comes up and, I, you know, I wonder, wonder if this is the episode where it all goes to shit. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just, I think the biggest lesson for me throughout the last 10 years, and it's probably the key message of Sparta Chicks, is, is not to wait until you feel more confident because you probably mm-hmm. never will feel more confident. The goal is to... Learn to live with your fear and your self-doubt mm-hmm. and keep taking action anyway. Not be held mm-hmm. back by it. And that's what I've, that's what I've learned. I just, <laughs> I have to do. Otherwise, these projects in my head and, and, you know, the goals that we set for ourselves in a running perspective just remain dreams. And, and uh, mm-hmm. if, we, if we don't take action towards them despite feeling afraid, yeah. Um, so you kind of just mentioned um, like accomplishing your dreams and how awesome that is. And, you know, I, I almost want you, you answered this question a little bit, but I kind of want to see if I can get a little more out of you with this. Um, what advice would you give listeners who want to accomplish their dream but are too nervous to take that first step? So uh, there's a couple of things I would say. The first is it is normal absolutely completely normal and human to feel nerves and anxiety Mm -hmm. when trying anything especially when trying things new for the first time Uh, and Mm -hmm. even when you've done it a hundred times you're still going to feel nervous and anxious so um, I think first of all you almost have to come to you have to accept the fact that you're going to feel nervous and that's normal Mm -hmm. Um, because I think part of us I think there's a message in culture and society in a way that that um hides anxiety if you Mm -hmm. if you like or not anxiety anxiety is the wrong word but sort of puts a gloss over the whole um achievement concept Mm -hmm. and I think it's important just to remember that nerves are normal that you're going to feel nervous and Mm -hmm. not to let your nerves feed your self-doubt 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah. sense. No, yeah, that makes total sense. And so I was just uh, just graduated my master's in sports psychology. And so we talked quite a bit about what you've, you're speaking about and how to cope with those nerves and what it's like to deal with that. And um, one of the things that we really mentioned is, and we actually just kind of spoke about this earlier, was um, being open and honest about your goals, you know, and telling someone those goals. And, you know, that kind of puts it on a platform where maybe it puts a little pressure on you. But also, you're now you're open with them. You don't have to keep them inside. And you know, if you fail, then you fail. But you tried, and you let people know that you you know gave it your all in all those situations. So, yeah, I would say that did make a lot of sense. I would say knowing that that nerve wracking fear is coming is is good preparation. I would say definitely, definitely. And I think too, um, we often use the fact that we're nervous about something as proof that we're not mm-hmm. going that our fears are true, if that makes sense. Mm, mm, it's yeah. almost like we, we interpret our nerves, we're nervous, therefore our fears are justified. There's a strange mm-hmm. connection there. I haven't quite worked it out, but it's really mm-hmm. common for a lot of people. So making sure that, you know, you just accept, yes, I'm nervous, that's okay. It's normal for me to be, for me to feel nervous in this situation. I'm doing something new mm-hmm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. The second yeah. thing would be, um, as I said before, learning to live with that fear and self-doubt. So don't don't um, go into it expecting to feel confident necessarily. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till you feel confident to take action. Find mm-hmm. strategies, whatever it might be, that can help you keep taking action towards it mm-hmm. without getting sabotaged or sidetracked by those mm-hmm. fears and those doubts. Um, don't overthink it. <laughs> Big goals mm-hmm. are really daunting and yeah that's whether your big goal is to do a five kilometer fun run or a hundred mile race Mm. they're equally Mm -hmm. daunting to to people so work out what's the smallest step that you can take Mm -hmm. um today that will put you this time tomorrow one step closer to that goal and Mm -hmm. it might be as simple as you're going to get up and go for a walk today because you're feeling a bit sore and you want to stretch your legs. It could be mm-hmm. doing your stretching and your foam rolling that you know you should, but you've been procrastinating mm-hmm. about. <laughs> it could be going to bed 30, like putting the phone down and going to bed 30 minutes early because sleep's one of the most important things you can do. So really, rather than get intimidated by the big, scary thing, just break mm-hmm. it down into those tiny, tiny little things. Mm-hmm. And the fourth thing I would say is... Ask yourself, what are the stories you're telling yourself Mm. about the goal? What's the Mm. internal narrative that's going on? What are you scared of? What are you afraid of? What is it? Are you thinking to yourself, oh, God, if if I fail, what, you know, people will laugh at me or be embarrassed or no, if it's a triathlon, it might be I'm going to have a panic attack in the swim and drown. Like all Mm. of those little Mm. internal narratives that go in inside our head what are they write Mm. them down because I think the power of writing something down there's something very cathartic about it in Mm. terms of getting it out of your head and onto paper and then look at them and go well what's what's the likelihood of each are there any Mm -hmm. steps that you can take to minimize the risk of each Mm. Um, and really start to look at those fears and stories we have which are highly emotional with a mm. little bit more objectivity, a little bit more rational, clear thinking and assessment, mm-hmm. and almost it's almost mm-hmm. a risk risk minimization strategy mm-hmm. in a way. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it can also take the emotion out of it and, and allow you to look at it with a little bit more objectivity. The way you're, you're, if you told your, your girlfriend your fears and your self-doubts, the way that she would respond to that, she'd come back and say, oh, don't be ridiculous, like you've got this. You know, mm-hmm. here are a thousand reasons why your fears and your self-doubt are not unfounded, but, you know, here's, here's a response to them. Mm, yeah. Oh, great points, Jen. I, I really, <laughs> I mean, gosh, you just summarized that up so, so well in such a way where I think a lot of our listeners can actually apply that to their everyday life. You know, sometimes we get advice from others and it just kind of scrapes the surface of like, you know, this is what you should do. And then you don't really know what to do with it. Yeah. But you kind of just gave that advice in a way where, you know, you can take, like you said, you can write things down or you can actually physically do things. That's going to make it a little bit easier for you when you step up to that big goal or whatever that may be. Um, and I think, you know, what, it was funny, you made me smile when um, you said writing down those emotions and how to go about tackling those things because I um, uh, you know, I just worked or I just was speaking with a friend who's running her first 50 miler and she's like, I don't even know where to begin. And I was like, well, where do you want to begin? And she's like, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that before. So I think it's one of those things of like f- figuring out within yourself, what's going to make you achieve this goal at the best level and what's going to make you comfortable in doing that. Um, so I, I very much enjoy those four tips you just gave. I think our readers are going to get quite a bit from that. Excellent. I think that's, you know, the, I think one of my um, criticisms, shall we say, of the health and fitness sport industry mm-hmm. for years, and it's really an extension of culture and the marketing messages that, that mm-hmm. are out there in society these days, mm-hmm. is that it is all sort of high-level detail gloss mm-hmm. Um and that, you know, the motivation and the inspiration, all of those things are really great, but they don't help you in the moment that you need it. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. help you when that fear is like causing you to freak out or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't help you when when you need the help, when you, you mm-hmm. know, when one of those strategies would actually um, pr- help you at a practical level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. I think you can only read so many quotes before you kind of dry- make yourself go quote crazy. You really need to actually take like that, uh, take whatever it is that fuels your fire to make you, you know, go after that dream in an applicable way. And, you know, we can only read, like I just said, we can only read so many quotes. There are so many inspirational stories before, you know, you really got to kick yourself in the bum and get going on your own there. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And, you know, motivational quotes are fun, but are they really, are they really enough, you know, are they really Mm -hmm. enough to get you out of bed when the alarm goes off and it's five o'clock and it's dark and cold or raining outside? Yes. More often than not, no, they're not enough. But, you know, tapping into understanding why it is you're, you've chosen the goal yes. that you have um, and really making sure that you choose goals that are right for you. I was going to say right for you. That's not the right phrase. It's more about mm-hmm. understanding why you chose them and choosing, and, mm-hmm. and choosing them for the right reasons for you. Right. Not choosing mm-hmm. a goal because of FOMO, but choosing a goal mm-hmm. that actually, ex- you know, Mm-hmm. sets a little butterflies in your stomach up and think, yes. oh, my God, that the idea of that terrifies me, but I wonder if I could do that. Like, they're the goals to chase. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's funny you say that because um, as 
as I'm sure a lot of people are well aware, the Boston Marathon is like the big, <clears throat> excuse me, the big goal that everybody wants to achieve, like qualifying for that. And I was talking to a friend and she was, she was like, well, I want to be cute. And I was like, oh, that's great. Why do you want to do that? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> and she goes, because everybody else is doing it. And I was like, well, maybe that's not the best goal for you to have. And in her, one of her most recent races, she didn't be cute, but she did. She achieved another goal that she wanted, and she felt so much better, even though she didn't BQ, even mm-hmm. though everybody else is doing it. So I think what you say about those trends and that fear of missing out sort of a thing, like, don't fear missing out. Fear the goals that you don't achieve because you're doing things that everybody else does. Yes. Um, so you're so right about that. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, too, you know, if you set a goal based on fear of missing out or it's something you think you should Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you know, for whatever reason, that's when you struggle with motivation at 5am mm-hmm. in the morning and no amount of, um, uh, no amount of motiv- inspirational quotes is going to get you out of bed on True. those mornings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Um, so you talk a little bit, um, about um, when I was reading over the Sparta Chicks uh, website, and also I have to love that your name is Sparta Chicks and we're a strong runner chicks. I had to laugh when Megan was like, we have to reach out to her, like not only for her name, but because of all the cool things she does. So I, I love that. Um, but um, so how do you, something you talked about was incorporating, um, you know, me time into like someone's already hectic schedule how would you suggest you know that me time or whether that's running or swimming or sitting and lounging on the couch like how would you suggest that individuals incorporate that into their already busy schedule that's a really good question um i I think one of the fundamental problems i think with um generic training programs and dare I say it, even the approach of certain coaches, is that both in both instances they take a program and force an athlete to sculpt their life around the training program. Mm-hmm. So if Tuesdays is always hill repeats, like Tuesdays is always hill repeats. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that it doesn't work for me. There's very few people who achieve success by their definition based on a generic training program. So I think it's really important actually to flip the model and start with your life and your commitments mm-hmm. and say, well, where where are the gaps in my day? Where can I train? Where can I go to bed? You know, even where can I go mm-hmm. to bed earlier? Um, and making sure that you're building your training, your me time, etc., around the existing commitments in your life that can't move. So mm-hmm. work family commitments, you know, school, uh, children's sport commitments, that sort of stuff. Because I find that when you do that, not only do you actually find more time in your week, you're Mm -hmm. then more likely to do your training um, Mm -hmm. and take that me time consistently because otherwise you sort of have a spare time, you have a bit of a gap, but you end up doing a session that you should have done earlier in the week, but you couldn't because you had a PE meeting or something like mm-hmm. um, that. So I think it's really important to look at your week. Forget the shoulds again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's going to mm-hmm. be the theme of this, this week. It's a good theme. <laughs> it is a very good theme. Forget the shoulds. Forget what you think you should do. Don't look at anybody else's training programs, not even your best buddy that you train with half mm-hmm. the time. Look at your week and and plot out the slots that you have 
that are available time, mm. some of those slots will be filled by training. Some of those slots will be filled by laying on the couch, drinking red wine, which is where you'll find me tonight <laughs> because it's Friday. Oh. <laughs> um, and I think that really – at a practical level, I find athletes tend to A, train consistently, but then B, also get sufficient recovery, sufficient mm-hmm. me time, sufficient space and, and time in their life because they're not, trying to, they're not trying to squeeze five sessions into three days because the generic training program didn't suit their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And it sounds to me like when you say this, um, a lot of people who do follow um, – the model of fitting the the workout into their life seem happier. They seem like, it sounds like they seem like they want to be there. They want to do the best they can. And, um, you know, someone once said to me that you can only do your best on any given day, you know, mm-hmm. considering all the circumstances. So you have to do what your body is giving you on that day. And if it's a one mile run down the street, then that's what you got that day. Or if it's a 20 mile run, then great. Or if it's a two minute jog, then great. You know, it's, I think it's about finding that happy and the training, like you say, um, that, you know, we can often lose when we try to focus so hard on like, you know, I have to do my schedule all the time. And if I miss it, then I'm, I'm lost forever, you mm. know? So it's, it, it's definitely a tricky thing to balance, as you say. Agree. And I think that's too, because if you, if you're constantly stressing about your training program or constantly trying to make up for sessions I, you're not happy. It's mm. you. You're sort of feeling stressed. You feel guilty for missing mm-hmm. sessions, um, which is the worst emotion for a runner because mm. then we try. Well, it's the worst emotion for anyone. But you mm. know, we try and jam sessions in. We don't get adequate rest time. So I've always found that that athletes who do that, a you're right, are, are happier. But they're also training more consistently. They're getting decent amount of sleep. Um, they tend to be less prone to injury because they're responding mm-hmm. to what um, life throws at them. They're responding to what their body gives them, as you suggest. Um, and it just seems to make for a happier, more well-balanced athlete, person, woman, mother, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it obviously has the, the ripple effect into other aspects of your life. The, the happier you are with your training, you know, the the calmer, better mother, mm-hmm. daughter, sister, friend, employee, boss, etc. that you are mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, very true. And you actually answered my second question about, <laughs> I was going to do a follow-up question on like, what do you say to people who feel guilty about taking this me time? And you you somewhat slipped it in there right there, um, which is perfect. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> That's all right. And I think too, there's such a focus on training these mm-hmm. days. And there is a very sweet spot between Training plus recovery equals performance. And I think that recovery piece is forgotten by most people. Um, yes, you have to do some training. You can't, you know, just recover all the time, but it has to be balanced by adequate recovery. And I don't think, I mean, how many people get seven and a half to eight hours sleep? Mm. Uh, I struggle to get Early. seven and a half yeah. But that's what each of us should be getting. Um, So if you're training hard um, but not getting adequate recovery, then you're not getting the full results of the time that you're putting into your training as well. So Mm -hmm. um, even just reframing me time as as recovery or repair Mm -hmm. time or something, you know, find a word for it that 
that helps to you know lessen or take away the guilt that you're feeling around doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think something that goes along um, with that a little bit is the idea of this um, comparison through social media. And you're like, oh, I see so and so who's, you know, she hasn't taken a rest day in seven days, so I can't take a rest day either. And when in reality, your body's screaming for that rest day. So it's really tricky to navigate that um, for someone who, you know, is so caught up in social media and posting how much, you know, they're running or seeing their, their peers doing this. So do you have any advice for that, you know, social comparison and how to really like figure out? Like, this is what my body needs, you know? That would be, I think, really beneficial for everyone to hear. Uh, get off Strava, for starters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, as a coach, I think Strava... <laughs> I'm not... Uh, I was going to say I'm not a fan of Strava. I won't say that. I will say Strava okay. has a lot to answer for when it comes to that comp- comparison competition. I think it just feeds our natural human... Mm-hmm. Comparison was really how we as humans have survived over the years and have and have fit in and, and you know, um, if you even think back to our ancestors, um, comparison and making sure that you weren't the, the weakest person in the tribe or, you know, it was it was part of our survival mechanism and I think it's a natural hum, natural trait to compare yourself to others in your tribe. Mm-hmm. But social media and Strava takes it to a whole nother level. Oh yeah, <laughs> my my clients, uh, my clients and friends tease me about my um, lack of love for Strava, um, and that if it's not on Strava, it doesn't count. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. Yes, yeah. um, I would say a few things. I think one of the challenges too with things like Strava and even social media is the immediacy of it. Immediacy of it. You only see um, a. You only see what they want you to see. Mm-hmm. Um, B, so true. <laughs> B, it it doesn't give you a bird's eye view of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it becomes very easy for you to forget that two weeks ago they didn't train for ten days in a row, mm-hmm. um, or that they've been injured five times this year, uh, mm-hmm. or sick five times this year. So, I think it's very important to remember that it's a very um, even social media. It's a very immediate, immediate thing Mm -hmm. um and that the bird's eye view is far more important you know getting through a a season or a year without injury without illness is far more important than running five days in a row Um, so a step if you have to step away from it one of my friends and guests on the podcast she was training for um her first 100 mile race she actually Mm -hmm. took herself off Strava because mm. it just fed – it was – she was allowing herself to use Strava to undermine herself. She was comparing mm. her speeds and her distances and her training to other people training for the same mm. race. So she actually cancelled, took herself off Strava entirely. Mm. You may have to do that. You may have to go into even the Facebook feed and hide, you know, how you can hide updates. So hide yeah. <laughs> updates from certain apps. If mm. that's what it takes – do it like you know you're not missing life changing information here mm-hmm. um and just make focus on you like what works the more you could work out what works for you i think the less you worry about other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because once yeah. once you have confidence in knowing what sort of routine works for you what sort of training volume works for you what sort of recovery and rest you're far less likely to be influenced by others. 
But I think if you're in that zone of like not, you know, trying 10,000 different things or jumping from coach to coach or training group to training group or, you know, track session to track session, I think that's when you're all FOMO, obviously, fear of missing out. That's when you're much more likely to get caught up in, in the social media and the Stravas of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've never used Strava. I actually like didn't even know what it was. And I've only been really running for like not very long compared to many of our other guests and people on the SRC in the SRC community. But um one I can compare that though to wearing a watch when running. A lot of people are like, if you don't wear your watch and you don't track how many miles you go, it doesn't count. And this and I tested myself for an entire month this summer. I didn't wear my watch and it was the best month of running I've ever had. I wasn't injured. I listened to my body. I knew when I wanted to turn around, like all these different things that you forget to internalize when you're running. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And often now, like I don't take my run, my watch with me on my run because it's just that freeing. So like you said, I would encourage people just to kind of take a step back and realize like, what was, why did I start running? Like, what are the reasons why I started running? And, you know, forget about everybody else and, you know, remember, kind of be selfish a little bit and say, you know, this is why I like to run, you know? So I highly agree with that. Mm. It's funny. I, uh, interestingly, going back to talking about fear, I actually, A, I never use it. I never look at it for clients anyway, but B, Mm -hmm. I wasn't on Strava for a long time because I was scared of judgment. So coming Mm -hmm. back to, you know, transparency about my fears was I was afraid of being judged by my speeds Mm -hmm. on Strava. So I stopped using it. And part of my, one of the commitments I made to myself this year was to use it, Mm. um, not not for comparison's sake, but as a way to say this is what I'm doing, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't even check it. <laughs> it <doesn't>, <laughs> like you, I I forget to wear my watch all the time yeah. now, and I think I'm a happier athlete person yeah. for mm-hmm. it. And I think mm. too, you know, those people who say you know if you forget to take your watch with you when you run, it doesn't count. It counts. Like your body has still done oh yeah those k's you've still got the training load in your body i i I sweat that was sweating to me like (laughs) you can come smell me like i still sweat like it's still getting out there you know and people forget that Mm -hmm. um so a little bit ago i'm gonna kind of switch topics really quickly a little bit ago you mentioned sparta chicks radio um so tell us a little bit about you mentioned it um in terms of like it was a hard thing to start like you had been like you weren't really sure where to go with it so tell us what that's been like like what some of your favorite guests were um we'd love to hear it oh my gosh it has been the scariest thing i've ever done and the best throughout my entire you know life career um professional career it's single-handedly the best project I've ever done it's pushed my limits more than anything else I've ever done as well um so what I love about it is the honesty and the transparency of it um I've had everyone from Olympic champions world record holders um, mm-hmm. through to everyday women, just like you and I, mums um, mm-hmm. who are chasing their own dreams and, and brave enough to share sort of their, their finding their path through the icky, murky world of fear and self-doubt. Yeah. Um, and it's quite an honour for people to, to share their stories with me. And I, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. There's always a part of me that's like, 
I don't know if I can ask that question. I want to ask that yeah. question, but yeah. is that like pushing the limits? So I've still, I'm still, uh, still a work in progress myself. But um, mm-hmm. the response has been amazing, amazing to it. Um, a day doesn't go by when I don't get a message or a comment or a SMS or something from someone mm-hmm. telling me how an epi- episode has resonated with them. So that's mm-hmm. been really special. Mm-hmm. Um, so the focus of the podcast is the is the fear and the self-doubt and is having those conversations about self-doubt and imposter complex is something that we talk about a lot. So that's the sense we have of uh, feeling like a fraud, that any minute now everyone is going to find out we've got no idea what we're doing um, or that we belong on the start line or that we're not ready, that we're not good enough, that we don't belong, all those sorts of things. And I think to it, it has such a carryover into everyday life as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of the themes that come through are, you know, people can relate to it in their professional life or at work as well. Um, In terms of my favourite guests, (laughs) I'm not a mother, but I wonder if that's sort of like asking a mother who her favourite child is. (laughs) Um, one of the earliest episodes, I think it was about number five or six, was with Natalie Cook. So Natalie is an, oh, Australian, wow. an Australian Olympic gold medalist in beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. Mm. So she won bronze. She and her partner won bronze Atlanta in 1996. Mm-hmm. But she openly spoke about her fear and her self-doubt and openly admitted that um, her fear and her self-doubt, she didn't, believe in enough, she didn't believe in herself enough to win gold. She had the technical mm-hmm. skills to win and the fitness but not the belief. And so she went on this four-year journey of, of um, self-development and personal development and discovery and, and ultimately won gold on uh, uh, Bondi Beach here in Sydney oh, in man. the 2000 Olympics. Um, but she, her episode has probably had more comments than, than any other um, and in that one, just personally, I mean, Natalie turned the tables on me at one stage, which was terrifying because it was only my fifth episode by that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so she turned the tables on me and and, um, and called me out on something I'd said, and uh, which was pretty amusing and entertaining mm-hmm. and terrifying all at the same time, <laughs> but it's still one of my favourites episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of diverse guests as well. I had um, Tanya yeah. Geisler, who is a leadership women's leadership coach who specializes Mm. in the imposter complex wow so she talks she mainly talks to women in business or careers you know around their professional Mm -hmm. side and the imposter complex so and that's been a big struggle of mine over the last few years so uh, Mm. I had her on and we talked about the through the imposter complex and how it applies for women in sport and I know from the reaction I've had to that one I know um it a, a lot of women sort of had a light bulb moment in terms of understanding mm. what they were feeling. Um, and then there's other guests like um, Ness Hartke, um, Karen McCoy, Rochelle mm. Olsen, who are just everyday women like you and I, mm. um, finding their way, um, mm. sharing their stories, sharing what they feel, sharing their vulnerabilities, what they feel scared about, what they're fearing and how, you know, how they're finding finding their way through it all um so it's been it's it's been amazing amazing Mm. project and it's something I'm really proud of um and it's something I love doing um and yeah it's 
it's been the best. It's been the highlight of 2017. I can say that. <laughs> um, it sounds like it brings you a lot of joy, and that makes me smile a lot. Um, <laughs> Megan and I have, and I should also mention, Megan timed out with us, which is why I've been talking so much. So <laughs> I'm not hogging the podcast, I swear. But um, when we went to go start this, it was one of those instances where we were like, holy moly, are we actually doing this right now? Is this actually happening? And it was a big fear for us. But I'm going to switch. The, I'm going to turn the tables on you really quickly because now I'm interested in knowing. Um, so you talk a lot about fear and self-doubt. So what are you fearing right now? What's a big fear for you? Right now, that question. Um, <laughs> uh, to, you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to answer it, no, but no, I'm no. curious. No, I'm happy, to, I'm happy to go there. What am I fearing right now? Um, there's a few fundamental fears that are around all the time. Um, you know, there's there's every time I press publish I said this before every time I press publish on a podcast or a blog post there's always a part of me that I can feel the what is the imposter complex bubble up to the surface and go um maybe you've fooled them you've fooled them all up till now and this is the episode that I get criticized for um because I haven't had any criticism yet. Um, mm. This is the episode that doesn't connect. This is the episode where I lose like lose listeners and subscribers and it's like this is the beginning of the end kind of fears. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also fear and self-doubt around what is next and, and how uh, from a perspective with Sparta Chicks, what is next for me? What is next for the for the brand and the business? And how can I mm. help more women? And and who am I to think that I'm the person to do this? That's all. That's another mm. big one of mine. Mm. Um, it's funny. I, I think I don't really. I can't really think of any fears and self doubts I have at the moment around the athletic mm-hmm. side. I, I think. Um, I think I'm at a point where I've sort of worked through a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. um so for me now most of my fear and self and I, I mean that's not to say there's no fears there but um <laughs> I think most these days most of the fear and the self-doubt and the imposter complex for me is is around is professionally so around okay. the podcast um you know I've so I've got a few guests that I want to get on the show who really intimidate me mm. um I sent an email invitation to Brene Brown to get her on the podcast. Uh, oh, my gosh. Her team didn't respond. Anyone knows Brene? Hook us mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. that, you know, that email took me three days to send. Like yeah. I wrote it and sat on it for three days because there was the part of me going, who do you, like, who do you think you mm-hmm. are? You're, you're not – she's going to run rings around you. Like you don't have the audience. You're not good enough, like – that mm-hmm. she's just going to run rings around you. You're not the person to speak to her. So there's a lot of that. Like it, it just comes up every day. Mm. Um, yeah. So mm. it's, it's always there. The inner critic is is always there, always having her say, as I call her. Mm. Um, sometimes I listen to her a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I can just, you know, hear it and press send on the email anyway. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for sharing that with us. Um, I really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to appreciate it because that imposter syndrome is big. And, you know, having the confidence to hit that send button and 
just kind of go for it is like, woo, like that, you know, you have to take a deep breath afterwards. Like, I can't believe I just did that. But, um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so it seems from what I read, you lead a very adventurous life. Um, any new adventures on the horizon? Oh, nothing, actually, nothing really at okay. this stage. Um, I was planning to do the Everest Marathon next year in Nepal, wow. um, but my brother's getting married now in Canada, which is where he lives, um, mm-hmm. so we've had to reshuffle some dates. So that will happen in 2020 now, so we've had oh. to push that back a few years. Okay. Um, but that's probably the... Is that the next big thing? Oh, there's a few trips in between here and there. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably the next big, 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 slightly scary, actually very scary um, <laughs> adventure planned. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. And now um, t- I guess how is that marathon run? Are you, do you run part of the mountain or is it around the base or how does that work? So it's actually a um, – you start – the race starts at Everest Base Camp, which okay. is about 5,300 metres from memory. And it you run, and I air quote, run, there'll be no running, I'm telling you now, um, back down. Uh, okay. So you lose elevation over the course of the run back to a town called Namshi Bazaar, which is at about mm-hmm. 3,800 3, from memory. Um, okay. But it's actually a two-week acclimatization hike to get to the start line, mm. and then you know, and the thing I think that scares me the most is actually the day after the race you have to get up and hike another two days out before you can get on a plane. Oh and there's wow! One massive descent in that two-day hike out that's going to hurt, and it's gonna, mm. <laughs> it's going to be like a crab walk down. The oh side. my gosh! It's this big switchback kind of downhill so there's going mm-hmm. to be hiking poles and there's going to be some sideways crab walking and yeah that's not going to tickle now I actually think I'm more worried about that than the actual <laughs> race so. oh my gosh well that will be an adventure to say the least my goodness and I I hope we stay in touch because I'd love to hear how that goes that sounds like Man, you are brave, I must say. That's quite an adventure. Well, I've been to Nepal twice now and Mm -hmm. it's my happy place. Honestly, it's like I joke about it as my spiritual home. I'm not a woo-woo person, so even that doesn't quite sit sit comfortably with me. Um, But there's something very special about the Himalayas for me. And I've wanted to do that race since I heard about it on my first trip to Nepal in 2007. So it'll be 13 years now by the time I uh, by the time I get there. But mm-hmm. um, and it's it's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. And um, you know, making cutoff is a real is a real mm-hmm. issue because if you miss, there's a, a cutoff at five o'clock at I think at about the 36 or 38 kilometer mark. Mm-hmm. And if you miss that, you actually have to stop stay the night in a tea house and resume your race at eight o'clock the next morning. Wow. Um, which I don't really want to do. So no, I can imagine so. <laughs> you know, because I, I wouldn't have any gear either. So I'd be sleeping in my sweaty, wet uh, running clothes. Um, nice. And then have to get up and take a three-hour time penalty. I don't really – well, I don't care about the time penalty, but I don't really mm. want to do that. Um, and, you know, altitude is is serious. Um, 
I've been to base camp and even higher before and I know how hard it is to even walk and tie your boots up <laughs> at those sorts of elevations so that that has a whole other layer of um, complexity and challenge and fear associated with it but yeah it's part absolutely. of the adventure I read this summer into thin air, so I'm trying to like re- remember all the things that were talked about. And gosh, when I was reading, I was like, "Wow, people! I can't believe people actually do this." But now I'm meeting someone who may do it, so I'm wishing you all the luck, my friend. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right, so we'll start to wrap up here, and we have two questions that we usually ask our um, our guests. So the first one is, "What advice would you give to your younger self?" This is such a good question. Um, I would say do it scared. I would say that I was was a very um, fearful child and, you know, even into university and even in my legal career, I struggled a lot with sort of that imposter complex and it held me back in a lot of ways. Um, so I would say just do it scared, um, find a way to keep taking action despite feeling afraid. Like don't wait for that fear to disappear because it's, it's never going anywhere. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I, I think that's great advice. Oh, I think that's great. Um, And so finally, what does being a strong runner chick mean to you? Ooh. (laughs) I love the idea of being a strong runner chick. Um, To me, true strength is mental and emotional. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's knowing who you are once we peel back all the layers of the way we've been conditioned and the way we've been raised and our fear and our self doubt and, and doing what we think we should instead of what we feel is right for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing who you are and then trusting that, trusting yourself, backing yourself, knowing that you're going to land on your feet, you're going to so- do whatever, like you're going to sort it out, you're going to survive, you're going to land on your feet, you can cope with anything that life throws at you mm-hmm. um, and just really trusting in your strength because you can do handle survive cope with more than you can possibly ever imagine and so just trusting in yourself is is to me what being a strong runner chick is mm-hmm. I think those are probably perfect words to end on so <laughs> thank you so much and um where can listeners connect with you if they've heard something in the podcast or they just want to reach out to you because I mean you've shared so much wisdom in this um, episode so thank you for that so how can listeners connect with you uh, the best place is via the website, which is at www.spartachicks.com. Um, and we are everywhere on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at <laughs> Spartachicks. Um, and my, if anyone wants to drop me an email, it's jen at spartachicks.com. Lovely. Well, thank you, Jen, for being on the episode with us. I know if I can, I'm going to speak for Megan and say um, that she as well is so happy to have you here. Um, we, we really appreciate your time and all that you've shared with us tonight. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Bye. And we'll talk to you soon, Strong Runner Chicks. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. 
Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chick.